Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Radiant 17. Hope, happy Sabbath day. Hope your day was good. I have a thought for you. Moses said this. Jesus said this. Joshua said it. He said, choose this day who you will serve. Every day that you are given, you are given the opportunity to choose blessing or to choose curse, to choose good or to choose evil, to choose Jesus or to choose the enemy. You are given a choice. And then and that choice, even not is just for the day. Sometimes that choice is moment to moment. Choosing, saying yes over and over, choosing him over and over. It's okay. Some people think, well, I, I, I said yes to Jesus once. That's good enough. No, no, it's not. That that just got you in the door. But to stay in to, and expand and to see what the kingdom has, it requires you to say yes over and over. Yeah, it really does. But what determines our yes for Jesus or our no for the enemy? What determines that? Or even what determines our yes for the enemy and no for God? What determines that? What is behind that? What is the deciding factor for that? And I believe it lies in the battle of the spirit and the natural, the spirit in the flesh. Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying, as he was contending, you know, praying. He was sweat and his sweat were like globs of blood. And he was just grieved. He was just overwhelmed with what he was getting ready to embark on. And his flesh was done. His flesh was tapped out. He was he had gone as far as it could. And he 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 even asked, Father, can this cup be passed? Can it pass me? Do I have to do this? But in that same breath, the spirit chimes in and says, but not my will, let your will be done. Jesus was fully man and fully God. And so even when his flesh wanted to rise up and, and, and make a decision that normally his spirit was making a decision for, his spirit chimes in and takes control. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. We're going to do what the father wants. The spirit knows the will of God and knows the purpose of God. It understands it fully and completely and it is fully submitted. The flesh is built on lust. It just is about self-serving. It is about fulfilling its desire. Every day I pray, Lord, you, I renounce the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not that I'm doing anything, but I renounce those things because I don't want, I don't want to seek my own. That's what lust is. Lust is seeking your own, seeking what makes you happy, seeking that would satisfy you. And love, on the other hand, is selfless. It seeks the betterment of the other person. It's always looking out for its fellow brother. The spirit is always willing and the flesh is weak. And so when we get up every morning, whom you've been feeding the previous day will determine sometimes your next day. If you don't make it right before the Lord, if you spend your time feeding the flesh, then you are going to have a lot of fleshly decisions. You're going to have a lot of fleshly thoughts. Your directions that you're going to take are going to be destructive because the Bible says the way that seemeth right to the man to a man, to the flesh, the end thereof is destruction. 
But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he was not speaking according to the flesh, but he was speaking according to the spirit. And if you're going to worship the Father, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes, truth. What is truth? The word of God. The word of God is also the mindset of God. The Bible says in Psalms, um, in Psalms it says, let your word be a lamp unto my feet. What does that mean? It means it's, uh, it gives you direction. It sets you on a course and it lets you know this is the way it goes. And he says, and a part of the other part of that scripture says, let, let your word be a light unto my path. Hmm. What does that mean? That while you're walking down this path that I have told you to take, I will guide, I will light the way where it is dark. Darkness will cease to be there because my word will be a light that guides your way. And the beauty of it is that we can hide God's word in our heart, that we will what? Not yield to the flesh and that which would cause us to sin against him, but we would yield to the spirit. Hmm. Isn't that something? Your choices can be determined by your flesh or by your spirit. And that all is determined based on your walk. Do you have communion with the Lord? Are you walking after the flesh or are you walking after the spirit? Them that are born after the spirit no longer walks after the flesh. Because why? We have given up that old life. We have surrendered that old man. And now we are running. We are laying hold to the one who laid hold to us. Amen. Amen. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Just thinking about this, just every choice from moment to moment is determined by your flesh or by your spirit. Which one is stronger? I'd encourage you, if your flesh is stronger, I encourage you to die to those things. Begin to die, to the, cause your flesh to die and let your spirit live. Feed your spirit, man. How do we feed our spirit, man? We, The Bible says that we would speak to one another, even to ourselves in psalms and hymns, the word, praying, even building up your faith by praying in the spirit builds your, your faith and builds your spirit. And so I encourage you, feed your, your spirit. Your spirit knows. Some of you want to hear from God. Some of you want to know what the plan is for your life. Well, you got to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. Peter tells Jesus this, or Jesus tells Peter this. He says to him, he says, flesh and blood did not tell you that. Peter caught the revelation of who Jesus, who Jesus is when Jesus asked the question, whom the man, whom do you say that I am? And the spirit of the Lord descends upon him and gives him that insight. And he sees that Jesus is the anointed one, the one, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting on. And Pete and Jesus right away tells Peter, he says, Peter, he says, flesh and blood did not tell you that. Why? Because flesh and blood is not mindful of the things of God. Neither can it be. Not only that, neither can it be, it doesn't want to. It wants to mind the things of itself. It's about self-serving. So we're on this right now, just driving this home, hoping you get that there is a battle between spirit and flesh and that everybody has that opportunity to choose today who you're going to serve, where you'll be a serve, a slave to sin, or you'll be, uh, or you'll be a slave to the spirit. Now you say slave, that's kind of a, a bad word. No, Paul called himself a bond servant, a slave for God. He said, I, I used to be a slave to the law. I used to be a slave for sin. 
He said, but now I am a bondservant. I am a slave for the most high God. I don't think that's wrong. Nothing's wrong with that. I think it's beautiful because that's what it really takes. And a slave, a bondservant is totally sold out, totally sold out for the Lord. So as we're thinking, as we're as we're chewing on this thought right now, we are faced today with a lot of stuff that's happening around the world, especially the thought of our government banning churches or taking certain things away because of in the name of COVID-19 or or civil unrest or whatever, Godzilla coming in, destroying. I, I know that I hope that's funny for you, but. That's what that's the kind of year we've had. We've had this year where things have come in and the government seems to want to take things. Peter, James and John was faced with the same thing. The apostles were faced with the same thing when the church was birthed. And as the church was birthed and it was thriving, it was moving in, in the spirit of God. They were met with situations that they had to take a stand. And I just want to. If you just lend me your ear, I hope that this will encourage you. I hope they would bring enlightenment. I hope they would even give you the strength to take some stance for yourself. So as we look at this, Peter and James, Peter and John, excuse me, are at the gate beautiful. And there's this man who was begging, asking for alms. And they fixed their eyes on him. And he's asking them, hey, do you have anything? And they looked at him and they said, Silver and gold that we have, we don't have, but such that we do have. Rise up and walk in Jesus name. Now, it's interesting that he says we don't have silver and gold, but what we really have, what we do have is the thing that's going to heal you. You're asking for that which is natural. Jesus said this in the Bible. He says, labor not for the bread that perishes, but labor for that which is eternal. This man here is broken, broken down. He cannot walk, he's crippled. And he has no spiritual life whatsoever. And if he did, the very, the thought of him being crippled may have taken that away. Sometimes circumstances can cause us to be discouraged and we lose our hope and our faith. But he's reduced to chasing that which is natural. He's reduced to running after that which is, which is that which will expire. So he's laboring for the natural. But James, Peter and John, as they're fixing their eyes on him, they looked at him and they said, you're asking for that. You're laboring for that which is natural, which, which, will, which would perish. He says, but we got something that is eternal. We got something that you can get right now that would truly bless your life. Rise up and walk. And this man gets up and walks. And he's praising God. He's excited. He's got, he's just got his life back. That's what the spirit does. The spirit gives life back. The flesh, the Bible says, whatever the flesh decides to do, the end thereof is death, destruction. There's no good thing in the flesh. Not in its own strength, not in its own mindset, not in its own nature. Because why? It's fallen. Flesh doesn't serve any purpose until you get the Holy Spirit in it. And he's the one driving, using this body to carry out the will of God. Amen. 
So Peter, James, and John, I mean, they're excited. Everybody's excited. Great miracle happened. The people see this miracle that's happened and the Pharisees get wind of it and they're upset because they did it in Jesus' name. They were told not to preach in Jesus' name. They didn't want to hear Jesus' name whatsoever. And so here's Peter and John declaring, calling this man's healing him by the name of Jesus, the name that is lifted high, the name that is above every name. And those Pharisees were angry. So they take them in and they scrutinize them. They, they kind of shove them around. They arrest them and then they grab them and they threaten them. And they told him, look, we're going to let you guys go. But if you preach in this name again, there's going to be consequences. James, I don't know why I keep saying James, but that's okay. That's John's brother. John and Peter had a choice. And let's just say even all 12 of the disciples, because Peter and John goes back in Acts 4 to tell them what the religious leaders had said at that time. And it was this decision they had to make. Do we obey man over God? The Bible says this, that that's what Peter said. Peter, James, and John replied to them and said, whether it is for us to listen to God or to obey you. But we have to make a decision. We all have to make a decision as to whether we're going to obey God or whether we're going to obey man. Sometimes situations that come in our lives causes us to take a stand. I really believe firmly in my heart that we as a church, we are at a time frame right now where we have to take a stand. There are government leaders that are being motivated by something that is not appropriate, that is demonic. And they're talking about banning churches indefinitely. I know that's not the spirit of God. Matter of fact, that's going against our rights, our civil rights, our, our rights as human rights, as, 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 as citizens of the United States to, to worship. That's part of the Constitution. So for our governor to make that proclamation and say that we as, 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 as believers cannot uh, have faith. Now, let me explain something. The church itself is not closed. It's never been closed because the church is the people. But what he's trying to do is shut down the building so that we cannot conjugate together because the enemy understands that what? Their power in numbers. Yeah. Bible says one can put a thousand to fight, two can put 10,000 to fight. So you get a, a body of believers worshiping and praying together. There's a lot that's going that can take place in a city. There's a lot that can take place in this world. And the devil understands that. So he wants to divide in concert. He wants to keep us separate. Why? Because then if he keeps us separate, it's a good chance that he can pick us off one by one. Why? Because you don't have your brother and sister standing there with you, iron shopping and iron. Those ones that are spiritual, they're to encourage you to keep digging in, to keep pressing in, or just being touched by their testimony. So the enemy understands that. And so we are faced with something right now. And I'm, I'm glad to hear there are a lot of churches that are taking a stand, that are standing up, that are saying, no, we're not going to just lay down. We're not going to allow you to determine what we're going to do. We're going to stand not only for the rights that are given by uh, our, our constitution, but we're going to stand because God, it is better for us to obey him than obey you. And if he truly is God, 
then he's going to stand with us and stand for us and go before us just as he did in the biblical times. Amen. Amen. And I know that if I ask any of you that are listening, you could tell me stories and stories where you had to take a stand and God stood up for you. Will he not stand for us today? Yes. Yes, he will. Because it's either it's it comes down to this. Either he is God or he's not. So we all know that he is God. He is all powerful and that he will stand for his people. And I, I just want to encourage you, the spirit and the flesh would be at us. And there's a lot of wrestling with this with this um, this thought. Should we listen? Should we trade in our safety or trade in our liberty liberties for safety? Should we just say yes and go along with the program, even though it don't feel right in our spirit? I'll tell you, you know it's wrong when your spirit is grieved by what you're hearing. And it's in that moment that you seek counsel. It's in that moment you take it to the Lord and say, Lord, what do I do? What do I do with this? And I'll tell you what he'll tell you what to do. Stand, stand still. And let and, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Your flesh would tell you, oh, well, you don't want any problems. You want to go along with the program. You know, even in church, ah, you know, it's OK. He could do that. Your flesh doesn't care, but your spirit does. But here's a beautiful thing. The spirit not only wants to do the will of God, it knows the will of God. And it also knows the outcome of this situation. Yes. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. Keep that in mind. In every decision that you're making, the flesh is weak and the spirit is willing. I want to take you to another person. They were trying to tempt Jesus. And this woman was presented. She was caught in adultery. Now, by law. According to the Ten Commandments, she should have been murdered or not only say murdered, but punished. Her and her, her and the person she was sleeping with. But it's interesting that when they're bringing her to tempt Jesus, they don't bring the man, they bring the woman. Interesting. But they're bringing him to tempt him to see what he would do so they can accuse him. So they bring her and say, hey, Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. Have you ever been in a situation where people have exposed something you did in secret? It's been exposed and it's brought some type of shame and everybody knows what you've done. Yeah, I've been in that place, too. I've, it's not a good place to be when people know some of the stuff you've done. And those things sometimes mark your life. This woman here was known as an adulteress. She wasn't even called by her name. She was, this is, here's this adulterous woman. We had caught her in the very act and she deserves to die according to the law. And Jesus is just writing on the ground. We're not quite sure what he was writing. He could have been writing the law, the law itself on the ground. But then all, all of a sudden Jesus stands up and he turns and he says, in you without sin, throw the first stone. You that have kept the law, you that have stood upright, you that have never walked in the flesh, throw the first stone. Go ahead. And he, he goes right back down, writing on the ground. One by one, from the greatest to the small, the Bible says that the religious leaders walked away. And Jesus was standing there. And I can imagine, can you imagine that woman hearing Jesus say, 
Well, if you guys feel like she needs to be stone stoner. Can you imagine? You're like, Jesus, come on, man. <laughs> you supposed to help me out here. You just threw me to the lions. They going to stone me. But remember what I told you. The flesh knows nothing. The spirit knows not only the will of God, but he also knows what? The outcome. So Jesus can say, hey, you without sin, cast the first stone. He knew none of them were going to cast a stone because he was operating and moving full communion with his father after the spirit. But she and all the rest of them were in the flesh. So they didn't know. They knew their intentions was to stone her or even to tempt Jesus. But she thought she was going to die. And God had another plan for her. And Jesus knew that plan. And all of them walked away. And when he looked up, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She says to him, Lord, they're all gone. And he stands and he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy man. I came to save him. I came to give him life and that more abundantly. I want to speak to somebody out there that is dealing with condemnation or even shame. We are are in Christ Jesus. We are in him. We live and breathe. I want you to get that. So can you imagine you being in Christ? Now, there is no condemnation to them that are in what? Christ Jesus. So if you're standing inside Christ, there's nothing but life and that more abundantly for you. Does that make sense? It's like standing inside. If you could take like, you know, those big old, those big old containment suits where they put on when they're going in to keep themselves from being contaminated. Just imagine that containment suit is Jesus and you step into that suit the moment you get saved. Now you're inside this suit, but the suit represents Jesus. And in there, it says inside there, there's no condemnation in here, but life in that more abundantly. So in, in Christ, there is nothing that's there to condemn you. There's nothing there to destroy you. There's nothing there to take anything away from you. Everything that is in Christ is there to encourage, build up and give you life. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, says in uh, Isaiah, says that where you've had shame in certain areas of your life, God will give you double the fame. Yes. That's that redeeming factor that's in Christ that redeems. So when we're in him, we're being redeemed. So this woman who was called as adulteress for the first time, she actually has a name because God doesn't call her based on what she done. He calls her by her name. He calls her by who she is because he knows her and he knows her end. He knew her beginning and her end. And he knew she was not going to die in sin. She was going to die as a believer at some point. Isn't that something? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm, yeah, I'd like to take you to one more person. This this one particular person touched me. I saw this in this um, this movie, this reenactment of the life of Jesus. It's called The Chosen. It's a great series to watch. I would encourage you. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Chosen, and it just gives a great reenactment 
of the gospels. It brings them to life. The writers that wrote it are are just, uh, it's masterful how they put it together. And it's so relatable. And you really, really just dive in. It brings the word even that much more alive. And so there's this one depiction. There's a story of the leopard. And the leopard, something about the leprosy is, is crazy. Because once you get leprosy, you are deemed unclean. As a matter of fact, you're not only deemed unclean, but you're not even part of community anymore. You can't be a part of community. You're kicked out. Some of you out there have done things, have been a part of things that have excommunicated you from community. And you and you can't be a part of community. Isn't it interesting? The religious people at that time, the ones that say they knew God, didn't have no no plan for them. No, there was no prayer for them. If they saw them on the road, you know what they would do? Unclean. This man here is out here among us. He is unclean. He is unclean. Wow. Isn't that something? You're still a human being. You may have some problems, but you're still a human being. But that's the way it would treat them. And this leopard was reduced to being around other leopards who were just waiting to die. A dying community. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Some of you are a part of communities that only speak death. I would encourage you to get out of those communities and get around brothers and sisters who are moving in the spirit. Brothers and sisters that speak life. That speak life. That speak life. That speak. That are really tapped in to, to the will and the purpose of God. And they're speaking what the Lord is saying about you. If you're surrounded by people that speak in death, get away from them. Because only death will come. Yes. Yes, I just encourage you. But this this man, this leper, is just on the path. He has no one to turn to. He has no one to look to. But one day he hears about this man named Jesus. And he hears about this one who, who is doing these miracles and doing these different things. And people are being healed. And he's thought, man, can Jesus heal me? Is it possible that there's somebody now that can change the course of my life? Is it possible that there's there's hope? And I'm, I I, I want to believe that even this guy here probably thought maybe, nah, not for me. And then even if there is, how am I going to go over there and ever cross Jesus? What if Jesus treats me like one of them? I've gone to the religious leaders and the religious leaders have said to me, you're unclean. You can't come. Matter of fact, they would even stone him if he came in the community because he was breaking their laws. So where do we draw the line as a believer? Where do we draw the line? If you see somebody who is sick, who needs prayer, can the Lord speak to you in that moment and say, hey, this person needs prayer. Today, I was with a friend and we were just rapping, just talking about things. And a man who was homeless walked up and as he's walking up and passing us, I hear the Holy Spirit speak in my ear. This man needs prayer. So I knew I had to stop him. But before I stopped him, he spoke to us and asked, did we have any change? And I reached in my pocket, pulled out something. And as he stood there, he says, well, you know, I don't want to stand too close because uh, I think I'm positive for the coronavirus. And OK. All right. So we're listening. OK, no worries. And I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, put your hands upon his chest and pray for him. Now, I had two things to do. 
either I could have said, wait a minute, hold on. He said he had COVID-19. I'm not supposed to touch it. Or do I do with the spirit? Because the spirit not only knows the will of God, but knows the purpose, knows what the purpose is. And the purpose was that God was saying this thing that's on him was not going to take him out. This thing here was not going to plague him. And so he crosses two sons of God, two, two, two children of God that are just fellowshipping. And here's an opportunity for the goodness of God that would be shown to this individual to bring him into to fellowship. So I laid my hands on him. I was obedient, I laid my hands and I felt the presence of God, the fire of God, just touch him. And after we prayed, he thanked me and he said, amen. And he walked on away. And my friend that was with me, he thanked me. He said, man, I, I really thank you that you put your hands on that guy. And I said, I thought about the leper when the leper came to Jesus. He said, I, when he seen Jesus from afar, he ran up to him and he cried out begging. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, please don't turn away from me. And Jesus kneels down to him and says, I'm willing. I won't turn from you. Can you imagine somebody living that type of life where people have turned away, walked away, walked away, and they could have helped? And so you think Jesus is going to do the same thing? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows you, no, that's not who I am. That's not my nature. I came to give you life. And so he reaches down and he touches the man that is unclean and he declares him clean. I just want to pray and speak over you right now. Those that are going through, those are at your wit's end. I just encourage you. Jesus is willing. He will not turn away like others have. And he will bring healing to your life.